0: This is Josh with a note before we begin. The tapes used here were never intended to be heard. They were merely cassettes done on the fly using little handheld recorders. I always asked permission before recording, but used these cassettes to transcribe interviews and notes. Many of the cassettes were barely audible, such as what you're about to hear. With today's digital restoration, I was able to rescue conversations to at least within hearing range, so bear with us on this one. By 1984, I had a contract with Delacorte Press for Tales of Times Square, which helped me to land interviews with secretive people like the president of Brant Theaters. Now, sit back and dig into your slimy buttered popcorn as we go to the source behind Times Square's old grindhouse movie theaters. This is 40 seconds. This
1: is
2: Time. I'm B wee been on Broadway the last 50 years. Live new girls.
1: I was stalking hoes in the center of town. Check it out right here. This is Show World Center on how to show town. I'll dive a new round taking a new.
0: Welcome to Tales of Times Square, the tapes. I'm Josh Allen Friedman. The most romantic memory of the theater marquees across 42nd Street came from W.O.R. Channel 9's Million Dollar Movie throughout the 1960's. It was an image on the TV screen accompanied by the music theme from Gone with the Wind depicting the most iconic and notorious stretch of movie theaters in the world, 42nd Street. On TV, of course, the movies were cut to shreds and littered with commercials. But I didn't know the theme was Max Steiner's Gone with the Wind. It just seemed like some heavenly beacon of music from God that hung over the long line of movie marquees. Years later, I still heard this music in my mind when gazing out across 42nd Street on the beat. But they weren't showing Gone with the Wind. The man who booked most of the movies across 42nd Street for 50 years was the president of Brandt Theatres, Martin Levine, He married into the Brandt family around 1930, becoming partners with the three brothers who founded the Brandt Theater chain. In 1933, they proceeded to buy seven legitimate theaters, that means Broadway stages for musicals and plays, on 42nd Street, that had been foreclosed upon by banks during the Depression. The Apollo, the Empire, the Liberty, the Lyric, the Selwyn, the Times Square, and the Victory Theater. They were among the 13 legit theaters built on 42nd Street between 1899 and 1920. None of them were built for movies. But the audiences in tuxedos and gowns throughout the Roaring Twenties went broke during the Depression. The Brants converted these to movie houses, which likely saved them from demolition in the 1930s. Weak of voice and never one to do interviews, here's Martin Levine in his office. In
1: 1984, we converted our first theater, Liberty Theater, in uh, 1933. Uh, we then we acquired the Times Square Theater, which was also a legitimate theater, and converted that not a motion picture house. And uh, within a few years, we had acquired. What were the prices in 1933? What was the ticket price? Ten cents in the morning and fifteen cents at one o'clock. Oh, they were built for for legitimate shows. The biggest stars in the business played these theaters. 42nd Street was the main thoroughfare for legitimate shows Uh, in the 20s, the way 44th Street would be considered today. Uh Ziegfeld had his shows in the New Amsterdam. George White had his shows in the Apollo. Uh, Selwyn had his shows in the Selwyn Theatre, a well-known well producer. Mm-hmm. Gertrude Lawrence played here, Noel Coward, Ethel Merman. Now, the, uh, the dominant uh, uh, party in uh, legitimate is the Schubert Theatres. Yeah. They were then, too. And they were very happy to see these theaters you know, okay. to, uh, convert the motion pictures because they removed them from Potential competition,
2: competition, and also the fact that these theaters weren't doing business during the Depression. The uh, theaters, the legitimate. They, were, they
1: were closed. Okay, they were closed, and they and they, they had uh, the banks had foreclosed on them, They'd taken.
2: So you them would open. save them actually from right possible that's destruction extinction. or whatever
1: extinction. Day. I think they might have been uh, demolished. They
2: could have been office buildings. That's right. right. It could have been a whole different street here. That's right. That's correct.
0: Levine was most proud of his Art House, the Apollo Theater on 42nd Street. That's different than the Apollo in Harlem. It was built in 1920 as a legit theater. It's where George White's Scandals played. While snooping around in the theater in 1984, I found the remains of Houdini's elephant disappearing trick, a rusted elevator under the stage. They had recently redone the dressing rooms backstage, painting over graffiti that included Abbott and Costello's autographs. Can you imagine painting over dressing room graffiti done by Abbott and Costello? Oh, and there's a dirty joke scribbled by W.C. Fields over the toilet. Let's paint over that, too. A perfect metaphor for everything in Times Square today. But in the late 1940s, Levine made the Apollo Theater into the first American movie house to show subtitled foreign films. It's where you'd first see... Bridget Bardot or Fellini films in the 1950s, films that had snippets of nudity long before American films. Martin Levine has honorary plaques from the French, German, and Russian governments on his wall. Uh,
1: We had uh, good diversification down here, excellent. The Apollo Theater for uh, 35 years was the most successful art house in the country.
2: You say art house, you mean?
1: We played nothing but uh, foreign films and art films.
2: Boydow films would have come to the Apollo, British Boydow films in the 50s, for instance. We played them all. One of the first first pictures we
1: played in the Apollo was uh, the life of Beethoven. We played uh, uh, all operatic films, all films dealing with
2: ballet, and very, very successfully. When did it start to change into a, what they would refer to as, you know, lower entertainment? To me, I, I happen to love it. But, you know, I you would know.
1: say about ten years ago. Well, the, the character of the street changed, and these characters
2: sell drugs and, and uh, violate the law, and they just get away with it, yeah. And you still but, feel there's not enough cops on the oh, street? Oh, no. Because there's an awfully big presence, at least on the street. Yeah, but they turn
1: their backs to what they call petty crime. They turn their backs. They claim uh, the courts uh, can't handle it. The jails aren't big
2: enough. The, the, the housing is uh petty criminals. Well, how do you handle security in the theaters now? We have our own security. You have your own guards. Own guards. Private guards. But still, I've been in some of the theaters, and it's it, it gets. I mean, I can't imagine that you would be able to relax at night, and, and uh, you know. Uh, most of the theaters on 42nd Street. We
1: have our own private garden.
2: The Do they keep a semblance of order to the, the best of
1: our ability, of course? Yeah.
0: Martin Levine's office was above the Grand Luncheonette hot dog counter in the six story Brandt building at 229 West 42nd Street. A sepia toned study of faded glamour, darkly lit, looking over the top of the Selwyn Theater marquee where pigeons come to die. He arrived by limo each morning and left in the afternoon before the street turned ugly. He produced one documentary film in 1947, The Roosevelt Story, in which young John F. Kennedy participated. Photos and awards align the walls. Here he sits at a black-tie dinner with Jack Kennedy and Eleanor Roosevelt, a bland-looking businessman posing with Cary Grant and Gina Lola Brigida or Nelson Rockefeller. But by the late 1960s and 70s, 42nd Street lowered the bar to reap the common man's coin with nudie-cutie flicks and exploitation films of the lowest order, like the perennial Trap Them, Kill Them. There would be no more black-tie events with Eleanor Roosevelt and Cary Grant or awards from the Champs-Elysees.
2: Who decides the repertoire now, who books the films into uh... The seven theaters now. Do you do that? Why well, I, I supervise. Um, I'm responsible for it. How would you describe most of the films? What's what are the genres called? You call them slice them, dice them, kung fu. Uh, Action oriented. Action oriented. Yeah. How does the, how does your company feel about porn in the neighborhood now, and, and in terms of the future, I and mean, all the pornography places? Do you feel as though it's, it's just par for the course, and or is it, something you'd like to see here coming out? Oh, I'd like to see it, it's, it's gradually being uh, uh, going on of business. People at the 42nd Street Development Redevelopment Corporation would consider some of the films that play here in the same category as porn. Some of the, what they would call sexploitation films, say uh, barbed wire dolls, uh, well, they're all, they're, uh, the ones where people get sliced up and raped. Uh, uh, A lot of people have their own impression. Uh,
1: Look at today's bookings. In the Lyric Theater we're playing a picture called Conan, C-O-N-A-N, which is playing all over the city. You familiar with it? Mm -hmm. That's one house. The um, Apollo is playing a picture called uh, The Bootstrip playing all over the city, a major company picture playing all over the city. The Selwyn Theater here is playing Cannibal 2, a major company release playing all over the city.
2: Now those are three. Those are three.
1: Nothing unusual about that picture. It's uh, uh, playing all over. Uh, the uh, Empire is playing Escape from um, Women's Prison, playing all over, playing on Broadway, Criteria, as an example.
2: Well, then there's one I'm thinking of across the, the street. Last, the last, last Starfighter picture playing all over the city. You, you know the film I mean, where they had lurid pictures outside of people being killed. about no, uh, trap
1: them? Uh, yeah, trap them kill, them, kill them, trap them and kill
2: them. Yeah.
1: Oh, you played that too.
2: We are the men, the exploitation men.
0: Put on your raincoat, lie to your wife. Sneak out the back door, down through the alleyway Band in Boston, here come the vice Come ye all degenerate Our movies make your trousers sweat For entertainment you can't match Got pictures of my sister's snatch We are the men, the exploitation men Put on your raincoat, lie to your wife Stick out the back door, down through the alleyway, band in
2: Boston, here come the... Who comes up with all those billboards? I mean, are those distributed to drive-ins or wherever those films
1: would be playing? I mean or the advertising be... in the yeah. front? Uh, it's done by the uh, film companies that distribute the pictures with our approval. Uh-huh. Because they seem almost custom-made for, just for, for right out here. They are. Theaters, theaters. They always use fronts down here. All theaters use we call fronts, yeah. advertising fronts. For years, as long as I've been in this business, we've used fronts. But everyone has the wrong impression. We're playing the same pictures that are playing all over the city. and uh, But everyone has the idea that we're playing... Uh,
2: Do um, you ever have to nah. defend... Uh, no.
1: Nah. There's nothing to defend these guys. I explained to you. These pictures are playing all over the city.
0: Marty Levine understandably defensive, must have felt a sense of diminishment having come from a powerful position, owning the Brandt Theatre chain, once 150 theatres strong, and now, in 1984, he had to keep them going with kung fu, barbed wire dolls, and hardcore porn. The Victory Theatre, built in 1900, where Abe's Irish Rose ran for five years, became the first theatre on 42nd Street to show pornography. It is now a children's theater. He won't call his movies Slice Em, Dice Em, Slasher, or Kung Fu. He says, action-oriented.
1: The following feature is one of the most violent films ever made. There are at least two dozen scenes of barbaric torture and sadistic cruelty graphically shown. If the presentation of disgusting and repulsive subject matter upsets you, please do not view this film. Castration and decapitation... The main course. But they're not through yet. No jungle revenge is complete without a little cannibalism for dessert. Make Them Die Slowly, the most violent film ever made. Too disgusting to watch, too bizarre to resist.
0: Make Them Die Slowly, an Italian made cannibal exploitation film was more depraved than any porn film. The Liberty Theater on 42nd ran a grind loop showing Amazon cannibals and animal torture while the audio loop droned outside. It was held over for months. It's hard to imagine what Eleanor Roosevelt or Cary Grant would have thought. Of course in the old days 42nd Street showed second and third run films. The grand openings were on Broadway.
1: Yeah. This was the middleman's entertainment center. We were not first runs, we wouldn't have wow. that. First, in those days, Broadway was, was was first run. They had an exclusive first run showing on Broadway. That's where they had these big uh, gala openings with clean lights and a lot of hoopla. Yeah. Uh, never had that yet. We never had that because we were not, never first run. We were second and third run. Well, we book first run films now. Today we have fresh run films. In those days we didn't get fresh run films. That was before the Paramount Consent Decree. That was a famous case, which uh, the Paramount, Paramount consen- uh,
0: Consent Decree. The Paramount Decree in 1948, otherwise known as United States versus Paramount Pictures, was the first nail in the coffin against the old studio system. It should be of special interest today, in light of AT&T trying to buy Time Warner, as if the whole media-entertainment complex isn't already in violation of giant monopolies. The Paramount Decree was an antitrust case, ending the vertical integration in which movie studios owned the theaters, too. Hollywood studios had to divest themselves of theater ownership. This allowed for more independent films to be made, and weakened the Hayes production code, which is what kept the Puritan ethic in Hollywood films. After 1948, there was room for sophisticated art house films from Europe, which Marty Levine began at the Apollo on 42nd Street.
2: Did you have more fun back then, uh, operating the theaters and the whole business? Why was it more fun back then? What was some of the... uh... Well,
1: you didn't have the problems that you have today, you know, with the audiences, uh, with the... uh, Characters on the street. Uh, it was just a, a fun business. You played to uh, thousands of people, many more today. Then get bigger audiences back
0: then. Oh, Levine's theaters on Forty Second Street had five million in attendance per year. Martin Levine still calls them motion pictures, just like Cecil B. DeMille. In his outer office, wire spools of ticket stubs count the daily take. Each Brandt movie house on 42nd Street grosses between 25000 to 75000 per week. A manual switchboard operator takes calls for all seven Brandt theaters, connecting cords by inserting phone plugs into jacks, unchanged since the 1930s. Times Square should be lights, merriment, entertainment oriented. Everything should be entertainment oriented.
1: There's gaiety and life. Uh, years ago, People came from, and just walked around Times Square, the streets were jammed, just by, with walkers. Well, it still is. No, Tomorrow. no, near like, what? Out of towners, where, whenever they came to New York, had to see Times Square and walk to Times Square. Today, they, they're, they're warned before they get here to be careful when they to get the oh, you know, So It isn't what, up what to us do? to police the streets of the city. We can't possibly do it. It's up to New York City to police their streets. And, uh, and take
2: care of the, of the offenders. Did you have security guards in the theaters 50 years ago? Never. You just had to bring them in in the recent times? Yeah, 10, 15 years ago. So.
0: Levine doesn't see the Times Square redevelopment plan as being practical. In 1984, as we're talking, the prospect of having his theaters condemned by eminent domain is hanging in the air. The Brants have filed three antitrust suits against the city to prevent their theaters from being taken over. Their defense is that they're providing cheap ticket entertainment to low-income minorities for the masses. The Great Black Way versus the Great White Way. Whether insincere or
2: not, this was their last hope. Well, how about in the um, you know the whole ongoing redevelopment uh, plan? Actually, where they want to convert the theaters back to legitimate theaters and stuff? I don't think it's practical.
1: I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to work at all. There are 21 or 22 empty legitimate theaters now. For the past year, a year and a half, there have been between 15 and 20 empty theaters. There's a tremendous shortage of Broadway plays. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that.
0: In the 1927-28 season, the all-time peak 264 original productions opened on Broadway, according to then New York Times drama critic Brooks Atkinson, including Animal Crackers with the Marx Brothers, The Front Page, and Gershwin's Strike Up the Band. And none of them were based on mega-movie superhero franchises, or Shrek, or SpongeBob SquarePants. How many original plays or musicals are conceived on Broadway today? Shows that aren't Disney theme parks or Harry Potter franchises. Two or three a year? Can you imagine 264 original shows opening on Broadway today? In 1928, there were no unions demanding quarter-million-dollar salaries for stagehands or insisting that 20 no-show musicians be paid sitting around playing cards in the basement, even if the show only needs one. Land taxes remain the same even when theaters are dark today. That's why only Disney can afford to mount shows. Levine converted the Apollo to legit theater for three years in 1979, debuting On Golden Pond, Bent, and Fourth of July. But then, he says, they ran out of plays.
1: We, in 1979, I converted the Apollo Theater to legitimate, and we ran for three years, successfully, but we There are no plays. There are just no plays to produce.
2: Well, there probably are, but they're just not being picked or not being financed or...
1: Whatever the reason. Uh, The the answer is that there's a tremendous shortage of properties Mm -hmm. and an overabundance of, right now, of legitimate theaters. The fact that there are 22 empties speak for itself.
2: So you don't want to see that happen? You would rather have... Well, I
1: can't see it. uh, Instead of 22, we're going to take our seven... Uh, they want us to make a 29 amphitheaters. Uh, we don't. I just don't see the sense of it.
2: Right. Hypothetically, they could take control over your locations and your theaters. They could condemn these theaters under
1: uh, uh, law, where they could, if they want to use it for public use. There's a question there. If if they if they condemn us, are they and they want to convert these theaters? Is that for public use? There's a big big question there. And. Uh, my opinion that it's not for public use because these theaters would be dark unless they're showing motion pictures.
0: Brandt theaters were condemned in 1990 when the city of New York finally condemned the whole of 42nd Street. Martin Levine never saw this end result. He died in 1985, a year after we spoke here. He was 75. In 2017, there are only three Broadway theaters on 42nd Street itself. That means theaters with over 500 seats, not including the off-Broadway theater row stages in Hell's Kitchen. There are about 40 multiplex movie screens at the AMC Empire and Regal Cinemas Complex on 42nd Street. Most of the Brandt theaters on 42nd were demolished. With several stage proscenium arches and outside exteriors, the fronts were landmarked and repositioned into the current theaters there today.
1: Well, they're dreamers. They're idealists. They're dreamers, and they're, they're thinking of this. They'd like to have legitimate theater here, but uh, it's never going to work. It just won't work.
0: This is Josh Allen Friedman for Tales of Times Square, The Tapes. Visit our website at blackcracker.fm for photos and extras. Decapitation and Decapitation. We'll see you next week on Old Broadway.